0: From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear
1: Radio. In this special edition of Keep and Bear Radio, I'm going to reveal how the city of Columbus, Ohio plans to skirt the state's preemption law and attempt to regulate guns through the Board of Health. Yes, you heard that right. The city of Columbus wants to regulate guns through the Board of Health. It's not unusual for politicians and activists to say that guns or gun violence is a public health crisis, but Columbus City leaders apparently want to take this idea a step further. And what they're planning is an audacious and outrageous power grab. And you don't have to take my word for it, because I'm going to share with you an extended audio clip from a meeting where city attorneys reveal their plans in detail. Let's begin. The Ohio legislature has made it crystal clear that it wants one set of consistent firearm laws across the state, and it has specifically forbidden municipalities from regulating guns in any manner. However, even though the state's preemption law, spelled out in Ohio Revised Code 9.68, has been in force since March 2007 and was further strengthened in 2019, and even though the law has withstood court challenges, the city of Columbus continues to look for ways to regulate guns locally. On February 15, 2022, Columbus Mayor Andrew Genther declared gun violence a public health crisis. He also said this declaration was just the first step. While it was unclear at the time what that meant, we may now have a better idea... Of what Columbus officials are planning. On May 17, 2022, during an online meeting of the Columbus Board of Health, Columbus City Attorney Zach Klein and Solicitor General Rich Coglanace presented a scheme to regulate guns through health orders. Klein bemoans that Ohio cities are unable to regulate guns because of the state's preemption law, and he admits that the goal is to look for loopholes and exceptions. He also says that because Mayor Ginther has declared gun violence a public health crisis, they now have an opportunity to act. Klein then introduces Solicitor General Rich Coglones to explain their legal argument. According to Coglanase, there is a loophole in Ohio law which can be exploited by the Columbus Board of Health to regulate guns as a public issue. Nuisance. Here's the audio clip from that meeting. It's long, about 17 and a half minutes, but please listen to the entire clip so you can hear in their own words what they plan to do and how they plan to justify it legally. Um, We will move right into our next guest speaker, uh, Columbus City Attorney Zach Klein. Um, Zach, we'll turn it over to you.
2: Thank you, uh, Chair, and certainly thank you to all the members of the Board of Health that spend their time and uh, take this matter and other matters affecting the city of Columbus so uh, seriously. And thank you, Dr. Roberts, for uh, all the work that you do. Uh, and to my friends and leadership, the division of police, thank you so much for the presentation uh, as, as, you know, Robert Tobias has been working really hard staffing the board of health. Uh, I know he does a great job. Uh, I appreciate Robert, you know, yielding the th- uh, the floor a little bit to me and uh, to rich Coglinase, who's also on the line for a quick presentation about. You know, where, what we can do and where we can go from here and some possibilities that we think. Um, directly impact the decisions the board of health could make in the future based on the really troubling information uh, that we saw from from the division of police. Uh, You know, we have a gun problem in this country. Uh, It was manifested uh, a few days ago uh, in Buffalo at a supermarket in Buffalo, and it was manifested last night right here in the streets of Columbus. Uh, The question is, what do we do about it? What do we do about it as a society? Uh, And unfortunately, we're at a time um, where we have an unlimited number of guns flooding the street, uh, but a federal government and certainly here in the state of Ohio, a state legislature, uh, that doesn't really want to act, uh, to deal with gun violence and the proliferation of guns in the hands of individuals that should not have them. Um, so that it leaves it to us. It's incumbent upon us as leadership in the city of Columbus and taking care. Of our own backyard and figuring out how we can identify effective ways uh, to address gun violence in the city of columbus and get the guns out of hands that people that of people that shouldn't have them Uh, as you know and rich is going to get into this uh in a little bit more detail but the state of ohio uh in their uh their wisdom um, as a legislature and the many governors that have signed bills into law have done everything in their power to prevent cities like columbus Uh, from enacting their own gun laws. Uh, That has been upheld at the Ohio Supreme Court. Uh, It is currently the law of the land. Um, It's called preemption. That's the the legal phrase. Uh, That means that the state of Ohio has acted and then preempts cities like Columbus from acting. Uh, We have taken upon it ourselves uh, to look at loopholes and exceptions in the way that perhaps the legislature left wiggle room uh, for the state or for the city of Columbus to act. Uh, For example, Uh, Even though it's a violation of federal law for a domestic violence abuser who has a conviction to to possess a a weapon, um, it actually is permissible under state of Ohio law. Uh, You can have a domestic violence conviction on your record and you can still legally possess a gun under Ohio law. Uh, So we, um, again, using what we think is uh, a very practical interpretation of their preemption statute of the state of Ohio's preemption statute passed our own uh, law in the city of Columbus that makes it illegal. It mirrors federal law and says that you cannot possess a gun if you have a domestic violence conviction. Uh, we have also uh, taken took it upon ourselves. We filed uh, some lawsuits to uh, continue to challenge the state's preemption uh, lawsuit, and we filed the first of its kind a lawsuit in the nation against the Bureau of Criminal Investigation, who does background checks for the state of Ohio, because of the amount of missing information that is in our background check system. And certainly, as you know, working in the Board of Health is not limited to guns. You know, background checks are run are run for people who um that go to federally qualified dealers, uh, but for employment and even employment backgrounds. Uh, Those background checks are the same background checks that are used for guns. Not every piece of information or criminal conviction uh, is put into the system in Ohio and other states across the country. And that's disturbing to know that someone who is getting a federal background check, there's not a complete picture of what that person has done or who that person is, whether that's buying a gun or taking care of our children at a daycare center. Uh, We believe um, that now is an opportunity with the mayor declaring uh gun violence as a as a public health crisis that there's an opportunity for the, the board of health to gather facts uh and information uh, like the information that the columbus division of police have already provided about gun violence gun uh gun ownership gun possession in the hand, hands of folks who who have it who should not have it uh and how that affects the daily lives of columbus residents from kids who are Accidentally discharging uh, guns in the in the presence of their friends and injuring themselves or killing themselves, all the way up to a nefarious individual who's you know shooting randomly at a at a person that that per- he has he or she has a beef with, ends up killing that person and maybe injuring others. Uh, so I'm going to turn it over to Rich. I'm obviously, able to take any questions now or at the end of the presentation. Uh, but we appreciate the due diligence and the time, the consideration that the Board of Health is is uh, preparing to uh, consider this endeavor. Rich?
0: Thank you, City Attorney Klein. And um, if it's okay, we can go ahead and start our uh, PowerPoint presentation at this point. So the topics that I'm going to get into with the board, and I do very much appreciate, uh, Mr. Chair, uh, Dr. Roberts, uh, the ability to to address the board on such an important and practical issue. Um. But two main topics that I do want to discuss are what is the what are the legal bases for public health regulation in the state of Ohio? And what is the current legal environment for municipal uh, regulation of firearms? So let's go ahead and, and get to the next slide. Um, the legal basis for public health regulation actually comes from the Ohio Revised Code. And one of the things that it says is that a board of health shall abate and remove all nuisances within its jurisdiction. So basically, that leaves us with the question of what is a nuisance? Um, The Ohio Supreme Court back in 2002 gave a great definition of public nuisance, which is an unreasonable interference with a right common to the general public. It gave that definition in a case that the city of Cincinnati filed against gun manufacturers, Beretta and others. The city of Cincinnati was seeking to hold the gun manufacturers liable for some of the costs of gun violence. Um, It had claimed that guns were a public nuisance. Case made its way all the way up to the Ohio Supreme Court. And the Ohio Supreme Court did agree that guns can be considered a public nuisance. What happened from there? Well, of course, the General Assembly immediately passed a law saying you cannot sue gun manufacturers simply for the manufacture of a gun and for the results of violence that comes out of the manufacture of a gun. Most tellingly though what the general assembly never did was they never actually directly addressed the finding that gun violence can be considered a public nuisance. Let's go to the next slide please. So what constitutes an unreasonable interference again from the Beretta case it includes those acts that significantly significantly interfere with public health safety, peace, comfort, or convenience, conduct that is contrary to a statute, ordinance, or regulation, or conduct that is of a continuing nature or one that has produced a permanent or long-lasting effect upon the public right, an effect of which the actor is aware or should be aware. So again, with this Beretta case, we are directly on point that gun violence can be considered a public nuisance and can be considered a uh, for public health regulation next slide please so the question that i know is probably popping through everybody's mind is well the general assembly passed sb 22 and that took away all powers of the board of health to regulate anything but individuals That's not exactly correct. The definite, what SB 22 did was said in a couple of different places, and I've got it quoted here, a board of health or a person acting on the board's authority may issue an order or regulation that applies only to specific persons. Goes on, if it applies to a class of persons, it's invalid. Okay, let's go to the next slide because this is going to be important. We're going to have to determine what is the definition of a specific of specific. And the first definition of specific is constituting or falling into a specifiable category. So that does not mean that you what that means is that regulations that get addressed to gun owners could well be considered specific regulations, not a class regulation. Basically, what SB 22 did was take away the ability of a board of health to issue a general order, for example, and we saw this with masks, that said everybody in the city of Columbus must wear a mask. But because of the way 22 was written, we were able to get around that by having In that case, the mayor and city council pass a law that said the exact same thing. When we are dealing here with regulations of firearms, it is our belief first that because of the way they have written the language, we would still fall within SB 22 if the Board of Health were to take and regulate firearms in a way that matches with the evidence that they have put together. Furthermore, SB 22 does not in any way mention limitations on regulations of items or properties, simply persons. Regulations that go directly to the firearm as opposed to the firearm owner would also fall well within SB 22. Finally, and most importantly, it is also our belief that SB 22 in and of itself, as it directs the board of health, how to issue regulations does violate the boards and the city's home rule authority. We should not have to, for example, with masks, pass a statute as opposed to having the board of health issue the same regulation. Next slide, please. So, and City Attorney Klein mentioned the state's firearm preemption statute. How does all of this stuff ties, tie together? First off, the city's the state's firearm preemption statute does allow municipalities to issue regulations that mirror prohibitions or other regulations that exist in either state or federal law. As City Attorney Klein mentioned, one of the things that we were able to do was go ahead and prohibit individuals who have been convicted of misdemeanor crime of domestic violence from possessing a firearm, clearly in line with federal law. But as we are talking today, state law already allows boards of health to go ahead and abate public nuisances. In fact, as we started this presentation, it says you shall abate public nuisances. It's our belief that board action would fall directly in line with the state's firearm preemption statute and would be absolutely allowed to go forward. Next slide, please. So. One of the things uh, I do want to, I did want to do, and and, and city attorney Klein had mentioned uh, that we have filed a challenge to the state to the most recent state firearms preemption statute. We did file that challenge back in March of 2019, and. You know, we all are aware of the wheels of justice turning slowly. The Common Pleas Court has had the case briefed for three years without any decisions either on our motions to enjoin the law or the state's motions to dismiss our case. So uh, we are hoping that shortly we will be getting some movement out of the Common Pleas Court as to where that is Um, The other thing that I did want to just briefly address the board, just kind of a historical basis of where firearm regulation has been in the state of Ohio, and a reminder that today is not the 1850s or even the 2010s. Back in 1859, the state of Ohio banned concealed carry across the state. No exceptions. You could not conceal carry in the state of Ohio from 1959. That began to change in 2004 when the state enacted a limited concealed carry permit system that did require some classes and certification. Um, We can keep moving forward. In 2011, The state of Ohio allowed concealed carry permit holders to bring guns into places that serve alcohol, such as bars and restaurants, allowed concealed carry permit holders to bring guns into shopping malls and museums and other places. In 2012, the General Assembly allowed concealed carry permit holders to start bringing their guns into parking facilities, whether those were owned by the government or private entities. We had a situation where also, you know, you could bring guns into municipal parks. Um, In 2014, the state of Ohio decided to no longer prohibit the use of noise suppressors while individuals were hunting reduced the amount of hours that an individual was required to be trained before having a CCW from 12 to 8, and removed semi-automatic weapons that fired 31 or more rounds of ammunition uh, from being regulated as dangerous ordinances. In 2016, the state started allowing CCW holders to bring weapons onto college campuses, daycare centers, inside the public areas of airports. And specifically prohibited business owners or property owners from barring firearms inside of vehicles. So, you know, and. You heard from Chief Bryant and, and uh, the, de- the Deputy Chief and the Assistant Chief from CPD that we are now going to be in a situation where, come next month, there are no regulations anybody can conceal carry. So we've come a long way from 1859, where you were not allowed to conceal a weapon at all, to pretty much anybody can carry anything anywhere. And uh, and with that, uh, my presentation is ended. And happy to turn it back to uh, to City Attorney Klein for comments.
1: So there you have it. Columbus leadership plans to thumb their nose at the clear intent of Ohio's preemption law and regulate guns through the Board of Health. Let's review the details of their argument. Revised Code 3707.01, Section B, says, The Board of Health of a city or general health district shall abate and remove all nuisances within its jurisdiction. So, what is a nuisance? According to Columbus Solicitor General Coglinase, the answer lies in a 20-year-old Ohio Supreme Court case where Cincinnati wanted to hold gun manufacturers liable for the costs of gun violence. He cites Cincinnati versus Beretta as a basis for considering guns a public nuisance, which is defined as an unreasonable interference with a right common to the general public. From the same case, he further cites the definition of unreasonable interference to include those acts that significantly interfere with public health safety, peace, comfort, or convenience, conduct that is contrary to a statute, ordinance, or regulation, or conduct that is of a continuing nature or one which has produced a permanent or long-lasting effect upon the public right, an effect of which the actor is aware or should be aware. So if the city can show that guns interfere with public health, safety, peace, etc., and have a permanent or long-lasting effect, guns can be considered a nuisance and regulated under the authority of the Board of Health. What about Ohio's preemption law in RC 9.68 that prohibits local regulation of guns? Coglanase says there's a loophole because the law allows cities to mirror state and federal law where it says except as specifically provided by the United States Constitution, Ohio Constitution, State Law, or Federal Law. In other words, Coghlan-Ace concludes RC 9.68 would actually allow a municipal board of health to enact a local law to mirror state law on the matter of abating and removing guns as a public nuisance. Coglanace also dispenses with Senate Bill twenty two a law passed last year to rein in the authority of health orders. He claims that while the law prohibits orders or regulations directed at a class of persons, it allows orders or regulations aimed at specific persons and that gun owners would be considered specific rather than a class of persons. In addition, he argues that SB 22 does not mention any limitation on the regulation of items or property such as firearms. According to other comments during this meeting, the Columbus Board of Health, along with city attorneys, will continue exploring this gun regulation scheme in the coming months. It seems their next step may be to collect data to demonstrate that guns interfere with public health and have a permanent or long-lasting effect. And then on that basis, empower the Board of Health take action. Exactly what sort of action? If I were to be generous, I might assume that they merely intend to get guns out of the hands of those who are legally disqualified from possessing them. But if that were the case, why not just enforce current law? Why look for loopholes and mount clever legal arguments? Given the history of Columbus, it's more likely that their intent is to enact rifle bans, Magazine bans, red flag laws, waiting periods, universal background checks, and so on. They're likely to prohibit permitless carry as well. Aren't they afraid of violating state law or concerned about being sued? Not likely. They've flouted state law before, so they won't be shy about doing it again. And from their point of view, who cares if they get sued? They can just use public tax dollars to litigate, It doesn't matter if they lose, because they're spending other people's money. It is no secret that Columbus leaders want the power to pass their own gun laws and have challenged state law repeatedly, including passing illegal gun control laws, which we've sued them over, and even filing suit against the state of Ohio to overturn preemption. Their case is still pending. So what can we do about this? Buckeye Firearms Association is carefully studying the legal argument, and we will continue to watch Columbus and the Board of Health closely. However, be assured that we are committed to responding to this outrageous power grab if we believe there is any chance Columbus will actually move forward. Whether we respond with legislation or litigation remains to be seen, but one thing is sure, we will not sit by idly if Ohio's capital city attempts to once again exceed its authority and infringe on the rights of gun owners. We can't. Because if Columbus gets away with this audacious scheme, other cities will do the same. And if that happens, what's the point of having a preemption law at all? If any city can simply declare guns a public nuisance and regulate guns through their Board of Health, we're back to the patchwork of laws the Ohio legislature sought to eliminate in 2007. And all the work we've done for the past two decades evaporates. We will fight this. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to JoinBFA.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's JoinBFA.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.